guys look like y'all fell in love with Jesus? Can you imagine when he looks down at us and we're saying, hallelujah, we're giving him the highest praise because he deserves the highest praise. He deserves all the glory and he deserves all the honor. And I don't know about you, I'm so glad to be back in his house one more time, back corporate praise, back in when we come together and we can look around and we see each other that we made it through another week. Amen. I don't take that for granted. I know that the enemy's design is to knock us out. But thank God we are standing here today. So, Lord, we come before you in prayer, God. We are so thankful that your presence is in this place, God. We're thankful for the joy that we feel, God, as we focus on you and we give you glory, God, and our perspective. It becomes enlarged, oh, God, no matter what mountain seemed like it was so great. When we get in your worship, God, our perspective goes back that you are Lord over everything. And that everything must bow down at your name, oh God. We feel strengthened and we feel empowered. God, I thank you for your love. Thank you for your blood. And thank you for your word, God. Your word, God, that causes us to have victory in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning, amen. Glad to have everyone here this morning, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Did we we greet our guests? We did? Oh, okay, I can see a lot of guests, and I just didn't notice. Okay, amen. Probably because I was sitting down. But I'm so glad to have all our guests that are in the house this morning. Amen. Just glad that you made it here. And I do believe that um, God has a, a a revelation that he wants. Some of us, it might seem like basic, but um, as he brought it to me, it, it was enlarged, and it wasn't so basic. And so... Uh, this morning, I just, I'm just praying that God enlarges our understanding and gives us a walk that's more victorious. How many want a walk that's victorious? Not a ups and down, uh, on and off walk. But, but with God, we should be able to be able to walk victorious. That he has given us all the tools that we need. He has given us the word that we need. That there shouldn't be that up and down, in and out. But there sh- comes a time in our lives where we can truly say, I'm having victory, and you're excited, and you can come in on a week and say, man, this has been a victorious week. And I'm not just saying because we, because we say, I have Christ, okay? Some of us, we could have went through hell this week, and we could have fell a thousand times, and we just say, I have victory because I made it back to church. But what I'm saying is that we're having victory during the week over in our circumstances, going through our problems, we're having victory. And when we come to church, we got, it used to be in the, in the um, when I was younger, in, in the uh, older days, there would be some testimonies. And they weren't about purses, and they weren't about houses and land, and they weren't about money in our pocket. They were about virtues that we had overcome. I stopped lying. I stopped cheating this week. I overcame envy. Bitterness came out of my life. Those were the testimonies that the saints of God would give because God was doing a cleanup on the inside. A lot of times, well, all we got is an outside testimony because we can't talk about the inside because it's still a wreck. Okay, but God should be doing something on the inside because 
people in the world get purses and people in the world get houses and people in the world got more money than some of us got amen so that's no testimony to them but when they hear that the man that i used to be i'm not that man anymore the way i used to walk i don't walk that way anymore how i used to talk i don't talk then they know that something beyond money has happened in our life that there's been a cleaning that only god can do and so this morning as we go through there's as I look into um, our lives and just watching all the walk of the body of Christ as a whole, the, um, the word says that the earth groans. It, it groans, and it, and it groans for the sons of men, that's us, to stand up and be the powerhouses in God. The earth is waiting for the powerhouses of God to stand up and be who they're supposed to be in Christ. The, we look at the world and think, oh, the world is terrible. But the world is terrible because the world needs a light. And the world needs strength. And the world needs to see Jesus Christ. And they're waiting to see Jesus Christ. They're waiting to see the authentic Christ, the authentic power. You know, they have up and down days. They have days where they're feeling good and where they're feeling bad. But they need days where they can say, wait a minute, what's going on in their life? How is it that things all hell is breaking loose and they're still standing? How is it that everything's coming against them and they're still loving on Jesus and they're still smiling and they're still got the joy of the Lord? It causes them to question when the power of Christ is alive and well in our lives. And it gives us the opportunity to point them to Jesus, right? So this morning, we're going to have kind of like it's an on impromptu um, analogy so you can see it. I want you to see it. So what I've done this morning, I, I'm going to need the front row. Uh, can you guys kind of scoot back, okay, because I'm going to need seven people on this front row, okay? And Nick, can you stay? I need men, so you'll be one. You're already there. You started out for me, okay? Thank you. Okay. Okay. Um, Lafaro, I've already talked to him. Uh, who else did I talk to? Sam's up here. Sam needs a seat up here. Oh, Josiah, okay. All right, we're going to see something today, and I hope that we see it in a way that it strengthens us and helps us to be able to walk this more. I need now, okay, oh, Trey, that's right. Trey, come on, Trey. Oh, hey, hey, come on, Moses. Come on, um. See, I want to call you. I know you're one of my father's names. You're Robert? Robert, yes. Okay. That's how I equate him, Dad. James Robert. Okay. Here. <laughs> Robert, come on. Okay. Peter, come on, Peter. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six. Ooh, right on target. Okay. Okay. So I just want you to hold this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, wait, not that one. It's going to be good, y'all. It's going to be good. You're going to see God. I love God. I love God. Do you love God? What's the matter with you, Chuchu? <laughs> I just had to do that. Okay. <laughs> I really don't like that song, but, you know, it just came, <laughs> it just came to my mind right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hold those. Okay. This to stay. There you go, please. Oh, is it? 
they told me no classes today. Is that, was I wrong or right? Yeah, it's this Sunday. That's right. Yes. Well, okay. However, that are we are on or okay. All right. Well, anyway, we're on. Kids need to see it too. Okay. Then we'll get this this morning. Okay. So we're going to start in Matthew twelve forty three through forty five. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna direct them, and as I direct them, you guys watch. Okay, now we've heard this. Some of you have heard this scripture and, and um, read it t- and many times, and and um, even as I have read it, each time it it something about it makes me search it out even the more so. Okay, and so this what God had. And so to the theme of our the theme of our lesson today is called an empty house. I want everybody to get an empty house. So the scripture is, starting in Matthew 12, 43 through 45, it says this. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he found he finds it empty, swept. Can you give me a break? Okay, there we go. Empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. As we read this story, there's many aspects of this story that hit you, and and, you, and and I don't know about you, as I've read it, many things about it. First of all, when an unclean spirit, uh, most of us don't like to hear about an unclean spirit, right? We don't even like the thought of an unclean spirit <laughs> being in in us, right? We don't like that thought. But we know that inside of us at times there is something that we are wrestling with over and over and over again now in this in this chapter jesus is actually talking about a demonic spirit it was a demon that was in the man and we sure don't want no demon in us right and so when we read it it's kind of something we read but we really don't study because we really don't want to think that there might be something demonic in us Amen. You know how those scriptures, you just don't stay too long there because you don't want to be in that place, right? Well, I had to stay a little longer here because God wanted us to see some things. So let's not get hung up on the demonic spirits. Um, let's get the spirits that are not of God. Let's, let's get those things that are in us that are not of God, okay? So this morning, to bring it out a little so you can see it. Turn. Sam is, this is me. When God ha- is talking about it, he's talking about our house, what resides in our house, okay? But this morning, I want us to really think about it, and in in, it's going to come open even clearer. So Sam is, is the, it within us is the spirit of, of man, me, but there's another spirit that can dwell in us, the spirit of the enemy or the Holy Spirit, one or the other, Amen. So with inside of me, there I've been walking along. Let's walk, Sam. I've been walking everywhere. 
with unforgiveness. And unforgiveness, it's killing me. I can't have good relationships. I can't trust anybody because of unforgiveness. And everywhere I go, because I won't let it go, unforgiveness is with me. Even when I try to be happy, unforgiveness is messing up my joy. So I come to church, and I hear the pastor talk about forgiveness. And somewhere in my heart, that's what I need. That's what I need. I need to let go of this unforgiveness. And so what I do is I make a decision that day to let go of unforgiveness. I'm going to do this. I, yes, I hear what the pastor's saying. I'm going to let go of unforgiveness. And I come up to the altar, and I'm like, God, I let it go. I lay it down. I let it go. I let it go. Let it go. And what from this scripture, what it says is that that spirit leaves my house, and it begins to roam around. Roam around, Sam. Roam around. Just roam around. So it says that I've swept, what I did was I've swept my house clean. While I'm standing at the altar, yes, I'm getting out that unforgiveness. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, for your word. I've swept out unforgiveness. I've swept it out. And unforgiveness, it says, is roaming around. Roaming. And you guys, when I say he's roaming around, I want you to think about that. I want you to get that in your head because some of us come to church and don't realize that those spirits are roaming around. You know, while we're laughing, while we're half sleeping, while we're half listening, while we got our mind on the, on the roast, while we got our mind on somebody we're mad at, those spirits are roaming around, okay? So the spirit is roaming around. Then it says this. Then the spirit says, I will return to my house. It's got tired of roaming around. It's tired of roaming around. And, 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 and it has to say, I will return to my house. Now, can you imagine? He said, I will return to my house. Let's look at it. But then it says, then he goes, he returns to his house, but then he goes and he takes with him seven more spirits. Seven more. And so he calls the spirit. I want you to look at this. Come on. Brings them on up. Come on. Come on up. Come on. He takes seven more spirits. <laughs> Come on. More wicked than himself. And they enter, and they dwell there, and it says, the last state of that man is worse than it was before. Now, in that, there's a lot of questionable things, right? So we find that I was sincerely sick of being unforgiving, okay? I was. When you come to the altar, you are sincerely sick and tired of being where you're at, okay? And you say, God, I give it to you. I, I give it to you. Lord, I thank you. I lay it down. I lay it down. I lay it down, okay? 
The problem is, is so how did it get to this? How does it get to this when I have laid it down, when I have given it up? How do I end up back here? When you look at it is that how in the first place did he get back in the house? Isn't that a question in itself? How did he get back into that house? Now, the thing is that he's been roaming around. And let's think about a natural house. So you have a natural house, and you reside in that house, okay? Or you, uh, let's say you are the uh, owner of a house, and you have a tenant that you have let come live in that house. And that tenant has came in your house and wrecked your house and wrecked your, your furniture and tore up your house. And you come back as the tenant and you say, you've got to go, okay? you got to get up out of here today, okay? So you evict that tenant. But what happens is, is for that house to be okay, you go in and you straighten up everything that's in that house but is straightening up everything in that house going to make that house safe? No. You can straighten up everything in that house, but an empty house needs a tenant or else all kind of things is going to go into that empty house. And you can think that, oh, well, you know, no one, no person, but I mean down to mice. Right? An empty house with no, no care, no nothing. Something is going to fill that empty house. And so what we do is we come and we, you guys can, you guys can be seated for a minute. I'm going to call you back up. Be seated for a minute. You look pretty sexy in that. Okay. Uh, you, it's rebellion. That's right. All those things, all those things. That rebe- you look pretty good in rebellion. <laughs> she said rebellion. Okay. Uh, Cleansing without replacement, okay, can actually make things worse. And our problem is, what God has really showed me is that that's what we think, that once I leave the altar, I'm done. I'm through. I'm ready. I can conquer the world. I've given it to the Lord. I'm done. I'm through. But not realizing that once you have evicted something, you have to put something in its place. You can't evict something and leave the house empty. Because if you leave the house empty, something's going to move in. A squatter, something's coming into that house to move in because they, they look and they see that the house is empty. I mean, have you ever been riding down the street and you look in and you say, that house is empty? Have you ever thought about that? An empty house invites all kinds of things, and the only way that the person that owns the house can be sure of that nothing is going to come in that house is going to have to have something inside of that house that's going to protect it from those crazy things that want to come back in, right? Our problem is is that we say, uh, God, you know, I, I give this to you. I give this away but I don't bring anything in, okay? I can't give, give unforgiveness without putting forgiveness in. 
put love in. I got to decorate my house with those things that are conducive to making that unforgiveness, re- I mean, that forgiveness remain. If I don't do that, then the house is empty and unforgiveness is coming back. And it's coming back with a vengeance. And it's bringing, and it says it's coming back to remain, to hold me in that place. Sometimes we're feeling like, what's going on? I thought I gave that up. I thought, but what have you put in the place of what you have given up? In this story, at times, we all know that we need a change. There's times in our lives, and usually when we come to church, it's because we know there's something in our life. I need a change. God, I need a change. So some of us today may be here because you're in the process of knowing that you need a change. But I want to ask us something that sometimes is moral. Um, We try to reform morally, okay? I I shouldn't be doing this anymore. This is a bad thing. I shouldn't do this. And we're trying to reform morally, kind of like, and I don't, Put these, I want you to get the right perspective of what I'm saying. I don't put these things down, but there's another aspect of this that the only keeping power is Christ. So, so, so I'm an alcoholic. I go, I confess I'm an alcoholic. I am an alcoholic. I say that I'm always going to be an alcoholic from, you know, I'm an alcoholic every time I say that. But I'm going through the 12 steps. Okay, and I'm thinking by the end of those 12 steps, you know, I got the 12 steps. Now, all of a sudden, I feel like I'm not an alcoholic. I have went through those 12 steps, and I'm done. I'm through. And some of us go through 12 steps programs that make us feel like we're Christians. I want y'all to really get that. Make us feel like we're Christians. Christians is not a 12-step program. A 12-step program can help us. But until we receive Christ, we can go back at any moment, at any time, because 12 steps is not what holds us. 12 steps is not what cleanses us. It is Christ that does that. And so we can feel like we're morally good because we conquer things in our lives. And so all of a sudden we feel like, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But because you've conquered things in your life does not mean that you have accepted Christ in your life, who is the keeping power of what you feel that you've conquered. Okay? There's only one keeping power of what you feel that you have conquered. The question I want to ask is, uh, being morally reform- reformed, is that enough? Is that truly enough? Is it enough just to become religious? Amen? I want to talk about what leads to conversion. In conversions, in this story, we're talking about this man that's, you know, he's demonly possessed. And so we feel like if the demon would just get out of him, come on, he would be all right. God is comparing the human life to a house in this parable. And he's letting us know the house can have two occupants, yourself and whatever spirit you're up. All right? And so this man was plagued with all sorts of evils, all sorts of evil spirits. But he also let us know that we can be plagued with spirits too. We can be plagued with bitterness. Some of us are bitter. Things have happened in our life, and we are just so bitter. Some of us are so angry. Some of us are full of lust. And you know you need a change. This spirit is tearing you out. 
When I came to Christ, there was spirits wearing me. When I, I want you. I need you. I need you, God, because I can't do this by myself. How many came to Christ like that? I need you, God. In Ephesians 5 and 8, it says this. For you were once darkness, but now you are light. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. The word darkness refers to the life of sin and spiritual ignorance and the influence of the enemy. So we once were under the influence of the enemy. And and God said he has brought us from darkness to his marvelous light. So at a time, and I don't know if someone is here this morning and that's your heart. This morning you said, I, I need to go to church. I need to get rid of this influence of evil in my life. Well, notice what happens next in this story. Some people come, and what they do is they sweep out the bad. In verse 44, Jesus speak, speaks about this one whose life has been swept. It's been swept clean. They reform. They clean up their lives. They get rid of some destructive habits. Have you swept out your life? Have you swept out lying? Have you swept out gossip? Have you gotten rid of pornography? Have you swept away drugs and alcohols? If so, this morning, that's great. But I want to ask you, is it enough? Some people, they're they're trying within themselves to put their lives in order, okay? In verse 44, Jesus also speaks of one whose life has been put in order. But I want you to know, is that enough? You know, listen, a room can be a mess. A bedroom, a living room, it it can become a mess. And you can't even sweep and dust for all the mess that's laying around. Part of cleaning up is getting things arranged, part of, now hear what I'm saying, Part of cleaning up is getting things arranged and back in order. Even so, your life will be a mess if you live an unordered and undisciplined life. Just because I straighten everything up, but I'm not straightened up on the inside. Now, you know how we have those momentarily, you know, uh, our total personality is to leave the bed unmade or throw our clothes on the floor. That's just our habit. So... Every so often that just gets crazy and you get cumbered down with that and you hate it and the room is smothering you with all the junk. So you go in there and you go, not today, I'm cleaning up this whole, whole room. And you're cleaning up because you're disgusted with it and you can't even get in your bed and you're just tired of it. But that does not mean because you you cleaned it up that day, you cleaned up the room, but did you clean up the man that messes up the room? See what I'm saying? If the man is still there that messes up the room, I don't care how much you cleaned it up today. Next week, that same man that has that same thought pattern is going to throw his clothes down. He's going to unmake the bed. He's not going to care about anything until it gets too much, too frustrating, and gets on his nerves. And sometimes we come to Christ and we think that we've got it together, but it's just really got on our nerves. It's just on our nerves. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this costing me this, but not to the point that we receive Jesus Christ. We do something outwardly. We put something in order outwardly, but we don't put in order the man. And I'm talking about, when I say man, we know women and men. 
mankind. We are not putting mankind in order. We're putting outward external things in order. And we can do that to a point that we really fool ourselves and say, I'm a Christian. But see, being a Christian means Christ-like. And Christ-like is not sporadic. Christ-like is every day, all day. And that's what we got to understand is that being Christ-like is not an on and off thing. It's every day. It's taking on his character that lets me walk every day in his spirit, having victory every day, not just when it gets on my nerves. God really wants us to get this so that we can have. So some people, what they do, they initiate some changes. They start going to church. So they come in and they're, I'm, I'm tired of my life and I'm tired. So I'm going to start going to church. That's good, but that by itself, that's not enough. You might start exercising controls over your time, and including to go to bed on time and getting up on time and showing up on time for work or our school. You start paying your bills that you haven't paid. Come on, and, and you pay them regularly and, ti- and timely. That's good. But is that enough? Some people even try to make themselves look morally good, all right? And, and they, they change their hairstyle. They change their clothing. They look around and say, man, that's how Christians do it. And, and they change. They feel like by changing their outward appearance, I'm a Christian. So the picture we get is that of a house that is not only swept clean, but this house is painted, decorated, and made to look good. Even so, when people go through a conversion, they, a conversion where they think that it's something about them morally doing something, they can look really good. They can clean themselves up, and most of us know how to clean ourselves up outside well. It's the inside. We can kind of look around and kind of, but you know what, I'm going to say something. We can look around and kind of say, oh, that's how I'm going to dress. Look how the saints dress. We can look around. That's how I'm going to shout. That's how the saints shout. Because we can see it visibly with our eyes. So what we begin to do is we mimic. (laughs) We begin to mimic the saints, and we begin to say, that's how you do it, and so next week I'm going to look like this, and in church, praise the Lord, and I'm going to do a holy dance, because that's how they do it, but it's much harder on the inside, and what really saddens me this morning is that it's much harder on the inside for people to mimic, because there's not enough outside showing of what the inside God can do. Could you imagine that if people came to church and they walked around and said, that's how I'm going to love. I'm going to love just how Jessica loves. Look how she's loving that sister that did something wrong with her. Wrong her. I'm going to love just like that. Ooh, that's how I'm going to show patience. Look at Brother Nick. Look how much patience and long. So just think if people could see the, 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 the inner workings that would cause them to want to mimic the inner workings of Christ. But most of the things that they see is the outer workings. And so most people come in, the first thing they do is they try to change the outward man so that they can say, I am a Christian. Not knowing that everyone can mimic an outward 
but only a person that has Christ can truly live Christ. Okay, can truly live Christ. So Jesus lets us know here uh, in this in that because they have this temporary religious conversion, that what happens is is that that spirit comes back because they haven't filled their house with the good things of Christ. They haven't filled their, their house, and so what I'm gonna do right now is these same. If this would have happened, Sam, bring yours up. Here, Sam's knee, unforgiveness. And Sam, go sit over there. And I kicked Sam out. And I kicked Sam out of my of my house. Of I, I need, come on, girls. All y'all sitting in rows. Grab it up. Okay. I kicked Sam out, okay? And when I came to the altar, I said, Lord, I want unforgiveness to go. Now, remember, unforgiveness can't go by itself, okay? I can think and have a feeling. I can have a feeling because the word was really good. I could be like, ooh, now I'm forgiving. Thank you, God. I've laid, you know, unforgiveness. I can think that until I see that person that hurt me, okay? Right at this altar, I don't really have to deal with that person that's hurt me, right? So it's easy for me to say, thank you, God, for forgiveness. Thank you, God, for cleansing me. Thank you, God. It's easy because I don't. But then I step up or step out, and there's that person that really hurt me. Now comes the time for me to start wrestling with all these feelings like, why am I still feeling bitter? Why am I still feeling angry? And Why don't I even want to see your stinking face? Why do these things come upon me when I've just cast it upon the Lord? Because I have not filled myself with the power that's needed to be able to walk in that thing that I've cast down. So now what I need to do is I need to be filled with a tenant, a new resident. That resident is what? The Holy Spirit. And I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And a lot of us are not filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're having a heart. We're not even filled with it or we're not obeying it. All right? So Holy Spirit, we say, Holy Spirit, come. And he said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come. Power to walk right. Power to talk right. Power to forgive. After the Holy Ghost has come, you shall receive power so now i decorate my i put a new resident in my home i realized my house can't stay empty i put a new resident and now i start praying i put prayer in my home okay now i start putting fasting in my home all right now i start putting and these aren't right in the in the order because i would believe that before i could pray or fast i need the word of god that's going to direct me to do that all right so now i put the word of god in my life okay and i think i put two together but go on up there uh the last thing is the fruit of the spirit i'm filling my house with those things that will keep the <laughs> keep the other things out all right he cannot come in he can't now he can't come in unforgiveness can't come in and but once it sees the holy spirit it's going away come on once it sees that I, the word of God has taught me, it's going away. Once it sees that I'm on my knees and I'm praying, it's going away. See, once it know, and if it gets too bad up in there, these things come out, what? By fasting and prayer. Once I do those things, 
Unforgiveness is canceled out of my life. I'm hoping you guys are getting this this morning because there's so many things that are still in our lives that shouldn't be in our lives. God said, I have given you the authority to tread upon serpents. I've given you the authority over sin. And so why do we keep bowing down to it? It's because we're filling our house. God, it was so sad to me because God was showing me. He said, we come to Christ and we want to be cleansed. And you guys... I watch TV like anybody else because after I say different, I'm not going to say no program because after I say different programs, I'm not here to condemn you. But I am here to encourage you in this. We fill our house with so much world, and we wonder what's wrong with our head toward God. God showed me, it was almost as if God was weeping. He said, there are people that are so dissatisfied. There are people that are, what's this life? What's this life? What's this life? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, saith the Lord. You can't be concentrating on the world, and I can't be sitting up watching. uh, I used to watch soap operas all the time. I I can't sit up and watch soap operas about women that that they're, they're married to one man and they're sleeping with five others, and I'm talking about, what am I feeling my house with and I'm sitting there and I actually sitting there saying "Ooh, I want um I want her to be with Luke you know but she, she might be married to Paul but I'm like I like Luke I want her to be married to Luke I'm sitting up there and I'm talking about being a Christian but I'm having unchrist-like thoughts I'm watching he said we fill our our lives our houses with our natural house we feel you guys please because God wants us to get this he wants us to get this he is not trying the world dangles all kind of things and we are so bored with God that's why we find interest in these other things because we are not going in and finding finding our hope and joy in God so we're sitting up and we watch half-naked women and, and these things that God women that are being uh exploited on tv and and next thing you know we want to be like the other day i was walking down out down my steps to the laundry room the lord said so so you want to be like a kardashian what's wrong with being like hadassah that saved the nation what are you looking at her boobs her shape her men her money all that kind of stuff is enthusing women by the thousands but what about looking in the word of god and finding a beautiful woman like esther that used her beauty to save a nation not her beauty to mess up men and and to, to be exploited and we find ourselves as christian women we find ourselves and god says so what happens is in all actuality when we find ourselves doing all that stuff, all the enemy has to do is come peek in our house. If the Holy Spirit and all that is not first, is not prevalent, then all that is. And so the enemy comes in, he looks, and he goes, they say they're a Christian. There ain't no Christian stuff up in that house. They say they're a Christian, but look at what they're watching on TV. They say they're a Christian, but look at what they're doing. They say that I could just walk up up back in this house. There's no God in this house. There's no God. You, it says if the, uh, the house had a news, the robber was coming. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm telling y'all the robber's not coming. I'm telling you the robber's in your window. He's not on his way. He's at your window. He's looking in your house, and he's seeing what's in your house that's going to stop him from coming in and binding you up. 
And God said, the enemy is binding us up. And we find ourselves weak and weak and weak. And the thing is, is because we don't have that, 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 that in such a supply. Remember, those things, they don't seem like fun, okay? They don't seem, it's costing us something. There we go. It's not about fun. It's about power. Power to overcome the enemy and his tricks up in our lives. Some of us have came from addictions and from habits. And you better bet your dollar that that enemy is waiting to bring seven more. I said he's waiting to bring seven. We just get, we get nonchalant and we forget that, come on, come on, Rome. I want, I want the spirits to roam in this house. Just come on, roam in this house. We forget every day, all day, that the spirit, the enemy is, it says he goes to and fro, seeking, looking for who he can be devoured. All day long, he's not taking a time out. He's not taking a vacation. All day long, he's going to and fro, and he's seeking. And he's look, y'all look at him, look at him, look at him, look, look, see if, look at him. I want y'all to look in their faces. Is, is it you? Is it you? Is it you I can devour today? Is it you that I can take control of? Is it you that I can come up and live in your house? Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Come on. It's, this is real deal, y'all. Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? you got to, come on, you got to say, is it me? And some of us got to get a stance. We've got such a nonchalant, sleepy stance. Some of us got to be, I'm, I'm ready. No, 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 it's not me. It is not me because I believe in the most high God. I believe and I'm praying. That's why he told you to pray without ceasing because unceasingly so the enemy is going to seek whom he may devour. And God said, you pray without ceasing. You be on guard. You be ready so that when the enemy comes up to your door, he's going to have to go on down the block. He's going to say, not this house, not this house, not this place. The blood of the lamb is on this place. I've got to pass this place by because this place is strong. It's fortified in the things of Christ. And not in the things of the world. You guys, we were bought out of the world. We were bought out of the world. I want to say it again. We were bought out of the world. But how quickly it is that we find a tendency to move and to endorse the things of the world. You say, I'm not endorsing it. By watching it, you're endorsing it. We're endorsing it. I'm, I'm, I'm co-signing you laying with every man. I'm co-signing you kissing every man. I'm co-signing that in my Christian spirit, my mouth may not be saying it, but my eyes are saying, I co-sign it. The next thing you know, you say, I will never. I'm just watching the show. I will never. I will never. And the enemy is saying, <laughs> I'm reeling you in because on your most vulnerable day, oh, I know this. On your most vulnerable day, when you're sick and tired of your husband, looks pretty good to be a Kardashian and leave your husband and go to somebody else. It looks all right. Some of us got it all. We, we, we like to swing from a pole and do a, a little sexy dance. All that stuff is calling to our spirit. 
what is exploiting somebody else, you are endorsing it by watching it. And while you watching it, it's getting into your spirit. It's things that you say you would never do on your most vulnerable day. You're watering a seed that you never want to come. When God shows me these things, it makes me well because he has called us to be strong, you guys. He has called us to be overcomers. He has called us to show the world how to live. And we're too busy looking at how the world lives, wishing we was living like the world. Or as we would say, it just take me away, Calgon, for a few minutes out of my boring life. And let me look into these lives of these others. They get paid. They get paid. They get paid, you guys. I was looking the other night. You guys can sit down because I might have to stand up. But Holy Spirit, remember, Holy Spirit, we need it. Resident, residing, word of God. Fill your house with it. Fill your house with prayer. Fill your house with the things of God. I was looking the other day, and me and my husband was watching a documentary, and anybody that knows Whitney Houston has always been a part, is a heart of my life uh, for her salvation, for I just cried over her death and felt like, Lord, what could I, I, I don't know why, there's a certain part of me that feels this call towards celebrities feels this call, I don't know what it is, to keep going into their lives. And I felt like my daughter had, she, when I told Jerrica that, she had looked Whitney Houston up, and she even found this thing that I could write to Whitney, and I never did. And so when Whitney died, it was very much a burden on my heart because I really, she was on my heart to encourage her in the Lord. But one of the things that I saw was this. We all, where where are our musicians? Where's Devante? I want to see my... Yes, Devante, I want you to come up right now. We all have gifts and talents. But if we're not careful, in the house of God, it, it doesn't even seem like it. It's just what, what. When I look out there and I can see these people that are gone to the world, and they look like fame, and they look like fortune, and I pray over your heart right now in the name of Jesus step out of the bounds. Now, some people, I want everybody to get it up here because some people have tried to talk and say things to me, and I don't know if they've ever said to him, that me and Pastor want Devante to stay in Living Faith Christian Center. I want everyone in here to know that I don't want none of my kids to stay in Living Faith Christian Center unless they're called to live in Christian You know what I'm saying? What I want them to do is stay in God. I want them to stay in God wherever they go. That's my, just stay in God. Don't get so mesmerized. But what I saw the, the other night, we were sitting there and we was looking at the documentary on Tony Braxton. And it hurt my heart because what I see is Tony Braxton was, was raised in a Christian home. So was Whitney that was raised in Christian homes. Okay? The mom, the dad was a preacher. The mama but all of a sudden, the, when they got called out into stardom, the first turn that you see was that the, the man wanted her to do something that was beyond her Christian belief. They wanted her to dress sexy. You need to be more sexy, okay? So Tony and even her mom and dad, who had raised her in God, 
all of a sudden the ducats and the dollars start talking. And so they took her from the solidness of God and they allowed her to be what man wanted her to be. And the next thing you know, she has hardly, they're talking about pulling her skirt up higher and higher and higher to please man, okay? This woman has a beautiful talent that God had given her. She was singing in church, but the world called her because the world looked more fun. The world looked like, you know, pay me more. The world looked like, uh, the next thing you know, this family that was a Christian family from daddy on down because they compromised their faith, their family now is in disarray. Okay, and they admittedly acknowledge it. And when they said, when they asked her why she didn't do certain things, she said, because I'm, I'm a religious girl. I don't do that. I don't, you know, our problem is we say because I'm religious. And we haven't even got in our hearts. I don't do this because it's not pleasing to my God. See, when I hide behind because I'm religious, I'm hoping you're not going to pin me to what I really believe. There's a whole lot of people that's religious. But what do I really believe? It's what you really believe that you're going to do or not do in that moment, okay? If it's just a religious belief, no. But if it's my core belief that God is displeased with that, I'm not going to do it. And so what I'm telling you guys this morning is making sure that in your house is the things of God. You know, people say, I don't want I don't want to come to church. I don't want to hear Pastor Linda talk about days of our lives. I don't want her to, to come down on uh, pretty little liars. Think of these think of these think of these things that that the enemy entraps us into. Pretty little liars. What's so pretty about a liar? God said a liar will not even tarry in his sight. But the thing is is now we got pretty little liars and they can lie pretty and next thing we pretty little liars too. I'm just trying to get, somebody says, I don't want to hear that. I shouldn't have to hear that. Yes, you should. Because Satan is a deceiver. He's deceived me. I'm not telling you nothing that I don't know myself. I know of watching programs. I know of sitting there in the program, feeling a certain conviction. Have you ever? You feel a certain conviction. Now that, wait a minute, that, they done gone too far. Oh, my God, if I hear just another cuss word. But we, but we sit there and hear 10 more. You see what I'm saying? We, 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 move our, we move our conviction lines further and further out. Till next, there's no conviction. We've got to get to a place, and then our houses are changed. I'm telling you, many of many, God told me to tell you guys this morning, many of you are dissatisfied with your life because you won't give him your whole. When you give him your whole life, you will find satisfaction from the Lord. When we give him our whole life, I'm talking 24. We're afraid to be committed to God. And the reason why we're afraid to be committed is because we know he's going to ask us to do something that we don't want to do. But the very things that we don't want to do is the very things we shouldn't be doing in the first place. God is calling this, this awesome man of God. But you guys, as a body of believers, we need to pray for this man. We see God raising him up. We see God putting songs within his spirit. And do you not know the enemy wants to pollute it? 
He wants to bring a spirit of pride. He wants to bring a spirit of divided heart. This year, as I looked at people that would go on the different shows on, like, The Voice, and I am so proud of those ones that would stand for Christ. I'm so proud of those ones that says, I'm not singing that song. I'm going to sing this song because this honors my God. I want us to pray. I'm seriously, I want us to pray over the monster. Some of us, we're looking at someone that we are going to see later on down the road that we're going to say, I know him. Maybe you're gone somewhere else. I'm just being honest. God is going to do, but that, but we're going to pray that when people say, Ooh, I know you, I know you, that Devante constantly says, points up to God. It's only because of God. God's going to do something great in your life, Devante, and I pray, I pray so hard because I feel like the enemy, God, has hid you under the shadow of his wings. And in the hidden, hidden hiding of you, it means, it seems like, when's my turn coming? Everybody's doing, I'm, I'm, I'm back here in Oak Harbor. I'm in this, this little town. I've been here all my life because all your life God's been trying to hide you for your destiny. And when he lets you out, it's because he has empowered you and that you know your footing and you know your home plate. The problem is, is we get out there and we forget where the home plate is. We start running from running from running, but we never come back home. Know your home plate is always God. So this this is it. Let's go into this house right now. Everybody. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray that money nor fame be the attraction. God, I pray that it's just about glorifying you. Father, when you send us to the world, it's not about sending us. It's about sending your word. Father, you have a message. And, Father, I pray right now that through song and through music, God, that that's what he cares about is the message. What am I saying to the world through my song? What am I saying to the world about my God through the song? God, there will be no compromise, oh God. For his heart would be, God, that every song would lift up and edify and glorify you. That that will point people to you in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, he's not looking to be the star. He's looking to point them to the star, and that is you. Father, we thank you, and we cover him right now. In Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Devontae. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. The changes that we make are often inadequate without Christ, without the Holy Spirit. Remember when John the Baptist came? John the Baptist was in the wilderness, and he was saying, repent, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But repentance alone was not the full process. The problem was that many of those people came and they repented, but the same people that repented, they rejected Jesus. And the problem is is that we can have a lot of repentance going on and still reject Jesus' way of doing things. And God wants us to repent. The wholeness is you must be born again, born of the water and born of the fire, not just born of the water. Some of us go down in Jesus' name. We go to the pool. We get up. We say, I'm born again. You're not born again until you do the full completion, born of the water, born of the spirit. You must be born again. And the spirit places where we really need to check, have I been born again? Have I been filled with the Holy Spirit? Am I listening to the Holy Spirit? Am I following? Do I 
even hear the Holy Spirit. Because when I'm born again, I hear the Holy Spirit. And the only way that I don't hear the Holy Spirit is that I've ignored it so long that I can't understand its voice. Like a child, that they hear you, they hear you, but they keep ignoring you, keep ignoring you. Then you go up and say, I didn't hear you. Because they've ignored your voice so long that now it just becomes something insignificant in their life. And so when you, need, when you really need them to stop doing something that could help them from being killed, now they're hesitating because they've ignored your voice so long. Well, that's what we've done sometimes in, in, in our walk with Christ. The Holy Ghost is there, but we've ignored it in areas that we want to do what we want to do. God says, don't say that. Don't do that. We ignore it, and we do it. And every time you ignore it, the voice gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer, and you don't know the Father's voice. Don't play with the Father's voice. Don't play with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit tells you to do it, do it. Because you want to know his voice so clear that he can but whisper, that's my God. I know that's my God. You want to know it. You won't have to ignore it so much that you're in trouble now because you didn't know. Some of us are, I don't know if that's God. I don't know. And we know good and real. All you got to do is go to the word of God. If you don't know if it's God, go to the word of God. Whatever God is telling you, go to the word of God. It will either line up with the word or it won't line up with the word. I thank God for this. I'm telling you, I thank God for this. They, when they received John the Baptist, John the Baptist told them that there is one that comes after me. Okay, he let them know. Whenever we're teaching anybody or we're sowing into people, you remind them there's somebody that comes after. There's something that comes after me preaching to you. Okay, there's something because sometimes we get stuck right here. There's something greater than the pastor preaching to you. There's Jesus Christ that brings the revelation, that brings the power. I can't make you do anything that I'm preaching to you about. I can just preach the word, but I can't make you change. I can't make you give up anything. I can't make you. So there's one that comes after the preacher that's mightier than the preacher, and that is the Holy Spirit that has fire that gives you the fire to do, the power to do, the understanding to do. That's why it's very important not just to come on Sunday morning and look at the preacher and hear the preacher and not go back home and get in your word and get some fire from the word, some revelation from the word that goes beyond what the pastor has said. You got to know what the pastor said. It cannot just be words. It has to be. God said, my word, it is life. And, it's, and life means I can walk it out. It has become flesh. And now when I says love your neighbor, I'm not just sitting there going, the word says, love thy neighbor. When it becomes fire, it means the word says, love my neighbor. And it becomes flesh. And I love you, Elder Phillips. And I forgive you. And I let it go. See, there's an action that comes with what I've heard. I didn't just hear the word, but there's an action, a response. And the only way, only thing that can give you that response is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what moves you to do. The Holy Spirit is what empowers you to do. The Holy Spirit is what gives revelation, okay? I can talk all day and I can say love your neighbor, but that don't mean you got the revelation of that. That just means that that can be very, very, very like general. Love my neighbor. If she needs a cup of sugar, I'll give her a cup of sugar. But she better not come over in my yard. See, there's those kind of things, you know, that we have a certain perception of what love is. 
we have a certain perception on board from what we've learned in our life. But God comes to knock some of those perceptions down through the Holy Ghost. And he said, you know what? You know how he said, uh, I, I say that if you... Uh, Look upon a woman. You know, it used to be if you did something, if you lay down with a woman. But God said, I'm going to give you a higher perception. If you just look on a woman and you uncover her in lust. See, God has taken us to a greater depth of revelation so that we can really walk this out and not justify ourselves. Because we could justify, I didn't touch her. I didn't touch her. I didn't lay down. I'm good. I'm good. All I did was look at her boobs, but I didn't touch her. God said, oh, let me let you know. Looking at her boobs is touching her. See, God's trying to get us to a higher level of, of, of purity, a, a higher level of, of walking with him, a higher level that takes us far away from that line that we kind of walk on where we can fall on one side or fall on the other. God has taken us away from the line. He's taken us to a power of purity that goes past what man and woman understand. God is saying, I want to come into your house, being, being reformed on your own and, and changing the way you look. That's not good enough. God said, you must. So I'm going to give you these, and we're going to, can you just write them down? What do I do in my house? What do I do? What do I do after I have emptied out those things that hold me? You got to understand that when you are empty, you lack the power you need to live a new life. Being empty, there's nothing there. There's nothing to grab hold of. So you have to put something in so that you can have that power, okay? Some of us have had some kind of religious experience, but we have yet to have the saving power of Christ in our lives, okay? Our heart, it doesn't, it doesn't remain like a vacuum. It must be filled with something, okay? Self-reformation is not enough. Repentance and moral reformation, they're not enough. You guys, we can quit doing many, many things, but that won't make us Christians. Outwardly practicing religion, that is not enough. You can actually become worse off by being hypocritical, living a life that's a mask, but on the inside is dead men and women. First, we must do this. We must replace evil with God. We must replace evil with God. And doing that is what I just talked about. It means being born again. Trying to live a new life without having a new life makes us doomed for failure. Trying to live a new life outwardly without having the new life inwardly, it just makes us doomed for failure. And you see so many people giving up in, in the Christian walk because they have this outward living of a new life, but no inward. And it will not last long. All of us can do I've been into certain places. I'm going to put this down. I'm going to put this down. I'm going to put this down. We've done it many times, New Year resolutions, where we can do things for a length of time. 
but we find ourselves what? Right back. And what happens with that is we keep trying until after a while we say, shoot, I ain't making no more resolu- resolutions. I just, whatever, whatever happens will happen because I keep failing at those. Re- because we don't have the inward power to help us to maintain those things. We must be born again, and God does not remodel us. He does not repair us, and he doesn't overhaul us. Okay? I want us to get that. We are not a remodel, okay, when we, Christ comes in our life. He didn't just go in and remodel our house, all right? And he doesn't repair us, okay, as we would think about an automobile or a house. But God puts within us what? A new, a brand new, not remodeled, new, a new heart and a new spirit. So let's remember that. When we say the things that I used to do, I'm still doing, is because we have not really received a new heart and the new spirit. The new heart is totally different from the old heart. The new spirit is totally different from that man's spirit that I used to walk in. When I'm really walking in the newness of God, I am not doing the old thing. When I'm doing the old thing, somewhere that old man has raised up his ugly head and I have not punched him down through the power of the Holy Spirit. It says that we have a new, and that it says we are new creatures. And so we are new creatures. Something new is new. Remember, something is new is new. It doesn't mean that somebody's wore it before. You know how we say new to you? No. When it's really new, it's new. It's brand spanking new. And God has given us, made us new creatures in Christ Jesus. When we were born again, this is what happened. If there is no change in our life that resembles the greatness of the great God that we say is living within us, we need to check our born-again experience. Something should say, I've been born again. Somebody that used to know us back there should be able to look at us right now and say, about you I know what you would have done I know how you would have acted I know you would have beat the devil out of him. I know something there should our conversion experience should be where somebody that used to know us when they see something new now but if they see the same person with the same attitude with the same responses and I'm saying I'm new in Christ Jesus they're wondering Well, what did he do new? What did he do new? We have been, through Christ, he cleans us from the inside out. Remember that. We are so interested in beautifying this outside. But I believe that when we come to the house of the Lord, we spend so much time and so much on this. What would it be like? What would it be like if we just got up in the morning and we said, you know what? 15 minutes to get dressed and 45 minutes to get on my knees and pray for God to move in me and move in my house and move in the house of God. And, Lord, save those that come in that need deliverance. What would it be like if we were more about, Lord, let me have a ready, available spirit, God. Lord, let me have more love when you send it. What would it be like if we had prepared and prettied up our inside man so that we could do the work We didn't really just come here to look cute. That was not really what this is all about. 
We came here to be fortified, and we came here to be available to God. We came to be available that if he said, go pray, go touch, go hug, go give a word. I was blessed by you this morning. As I can't say your name, but you're sitting, you just turned your head to say, is she talking to me? Yes, I'm talking to you. I was blessed as I saw you come up to the altar and, at Curtis and stand in and talk with the, uh, Trey. I was blessed. Available. You don't have to be. See, when God says move, we got to be ready to move. But are we so caught up in ourselves? That we can't move, okay? We we didn't come to work. We came for somebody to give us something. We didn't come to bless bless the Lord. We say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Well, how are you going to bless him? What you going to do today to bless him? What did you come prepared to do to bless the Lord? And it goes beyond this, waving my hands, that's glorifying God. But God said, what you going to do? Now, what you going to do? How are you going to bless me? You're going to love on somebody. You're going to see a visitor. You're going to see a guest. You're going to go make them feel welcome. How are you going to bless me? What are you going to do beyond opening your arms and say, bless me, God. Bless me, God. More of you, God, for me, God. No, it's more of you, God, for I can be used to bless others. God wants to come in our house, and I am praying, you guys, that we will not have that up and down. This thing really hit me. It said this, um, that someone said that too many church members have been starched and ironed without ever being washed. That hit me. Starched and ironed. We look good. We look straight. You ever seen how my, my husband starches his pants? Them pants could, when, when he used to buy this Argo starch, them pants could stand up all by themselves. Them creases were straight. Them things looked good. But do you know that you could have starched them without washing them? And everybody could have thought them was the neatest, neatest pants ever until they smelt them. <laughs> That's what they can think about us. Until they smelt them. It's like a tree that's supposed to be bringing fruit, but all we have is leaf. And it looks very leafy. And the leafy, all the leaves make it look like it's, it's, it's got something going on because it's so leafy. And we can look so leafy, but when we go in there to reach for some fruit, there is no fruit. The leafiness is not what we're trying to betray. What I'm trying to betray is I have fruit whereof you can bite off that fruit and you can be nourished and you can grow in the things of Christ. But a lot of us are just okay with being leafy. But when we step into your heart and see if you can forgive me when I've trespassed you, you're just leafy. There's no fruit there. If I, if I can see if you love your enemy and do good to them that despitefully use you, leafy. See, God didn't want us to be leafy. He wants us to be bearing fruit. Come on, you, you guys, don't you want to be fruit bearers? The, the second thing I said, we replace evil with God, and then we receive the Spirit of Christ. You guys, receive the Spirit of Christ. You must be born again. I'm going to ask everyone to answer this question this morning. You must be born again. Paul then walked up on some disciples, and he said to them, he said, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And those disciples said, we know not that there be any Holy Ghost. 
say it again. He walked up on the disciples and he said, have you received? That's the question I'm asking you this morning. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And if your answer is, I didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost. This morning, I want you to know the Holy Ghost is real. And it is a promise that God put in his word in the book of Acts. It's a promise unto the disciples that he was talking to. He said, it's unto you and it's unto all that believe, as many as believe, the promise of the Holy Ghost. He told them, go to Jerusalem. He told his disciples. His disciples was walking around, and they were walking with him. And while they were walking with him, they could see miracles. They could do miracles. But he told them one day, he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now, many people believe that right then they received the Holy Ghost. But what that received meant was to embrace what was about to happen. As of before then, they didn't need the Holy Ghost when he was with them. He was with them. They didn't need the Holy Ghost. He was right there with them. But what he was letting them know, that something, when I leave here, he said, I'm going to go away. But I won't leave you comfortless. I will come back. And he said, I will come back as the comforter. And he said, what he was trying to get them to understand, just because I leave, and you've been walking with me and doing these things with me, when I go, I'm going to empower you with the Holy Ghost and that with fire. You need to receive this. You need to embrace this. You need to understand this so that when you're in that upper room and when the fire of God comes down, you're going to remember that I said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. You're not going to reject it. You're not going to think it's strength. You're not going to think you're going to receive because I already told you that it was coming. And it has come, church. And he said it's a promise to all of us that we would be baptized. Now, remember this. Somebody says, the Holy, well, who brought me to the altar? The Holy Ghost. But the feeling is the feeling. It's like having a cup. And in that cup, there's a little bit of water. But God said, fill it, fill it till it overflows. The Holy Ghost was to be poured into us so that it could flow out of us. Feel, feel, not that little drip, but feel, not that little knowing. God wanted to baptize us. When we go into the water, we're baptized. Yes, I know churches that say that we sprinkle, but in all actuality, we're baptized. We go under the water with our old man and come up a new man by faith in Christ Jesus. We submerge all of that old man. I don't just sprinkle your head. I don't just want your head to be changed. I want your whole body to be made new in Christ. We go down and the same way in the filling of the Holy Ghost that God wants to fill us, you guys. And anything that you feel, God said, it, just think about this. The Holy Spirit keeps showing me this. Anything, I wish I had, if this cup, if this cup is, and it's partially filled, okay, I mean, it's more than partially, but if, if we had a watering thing that we could keep filling this, what we would hear was be some what? Oh, somebody said it to me. Who splash? You would hear some what? And splash means what? Noise. You would hear some noise coming out because it was filled. Field doesn't. You know you're filled. If I was blind right now and I filled that cup and I.
was just standing right here and I was blind, I would know that I filled that cup because I'm here splash, 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 and I would know I filled it. And God wants you to know that you know when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit because he fills you to a splashing comes out of you. And you know that you know that you know that you have the Holy Ghost, that you've been baptized, because I say it wrong, that you've been baptized. And many have not been baptized in the Holy Ghost. We have heard the splash, splash, splash. Because the splash, splash, splash is letting you know I've been filled. And this morning God said, for them not to come back up in your house, okay, you must be born again. Born of the water, yes. Born of the Spirit. And I want to ask you this morning, have you had To the knowing that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's something about knowing and not guessing. Okay? There's something about God. And somebody says, you don't have to know. You just have to walk by faith. No, God wanted us to know. He wanted us to know. That's why he said, go to, go to Jerusalem and tarry. Don't you even be a witness. Don't you even make another move. I receive. Don't you make another move until you are endowed with power from on high. He said, you don't, you don't, don't you make, well, they walk with him all the time. Why wouldn't you think they were already endowed with power? Why do you think that they couldn't already do it? No. God said, you got to be filled. I'm going away and I'm coming back and I'm going to fill you. And when I fill you, you're going to know. There's something about you going to know. I've been, something about being filled with the Holy Spirit that you know. You feel the water. It says like, like it's a water, you know, that, that just fills you. And anybody's had the experience, it fills you. How many know what I'm talking about? It fills you like a water, like a water, like a rushing water that you can't but help but splash. You can't help but splash. You can't even hold it back. I've seen some of these young people, and they're trying their best on the altar. And it says with stammering lips, right? It was stammering lips because they're, they're some, something within them is this is a new experience. This fire is so amazing. I don't know what to do with this fire. And they're, they're stammering, and they're trying. You see them, they do like this. The fire gets all on them, and they're trying their best to hold it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You're trying to hold it back, hold it back, hold it back. But, but that fire is just like fire. Shut up in my bones. It can't be shut up. And the next thing you know. It's as real as I'm standing here right now. And God wants us to know that our houses must be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, I know you've seen some abusiveness of Holy Spirit. God says some people have seen people talk in tongues and be like the devil himself. Okay? But just like anything else, because somebody abuses a good thing, don't you pull it back and say, I don't want it. Because when you receive it like God wants you to receive it, it's a good thing. And it's a God thing. And you can keep going to the water. And you can keep, it's not like a one-time experience. It's times when I feel so weak and I don't, what it says, 
when I feel so weak and I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to pray for. I don't even know what to say over my boys. All of a sudden, God, I go to God. I don't know what to say. This is pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost will pray the perfect prayer. It won't pray the mama prayer. This is God. They're going to be lost. God, if you don't save them, they're going to be lost. That's not a perfect prayer. God will not rush to that prayer. He says, I rush to my word. And sometimes I'm so weak. And sometimes I feel so in despair that all I feel is hopeless. But I pray. He says, pray in the Holy Ghost. And I begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost comes up and he begins to pray that prayer in utterance and, 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 and in the tongue. That's a perfect prayer. And I feel myself being built up in the Holy Ghost. And when I get up from there, not necessary do I even know what I said. But the Spirit speaks to the Spirit. And when I get up, I know it's done. I can fight some more. I can go on some more. I can believe some more. And guess what I'm talking about? You need up in your house. Because in your house, is going the doubt is coming to your house. The lack of faith is coming to your house. Everything is coming against your dreams, your hopes, what God has showed you. But in your house, if you got prayer, in your house, if you're on your knees, in your house, you're doing more praying and talking and more praying than, than watching somebody else watch you. Them people are making their lives. God told me, he keeps on telling me, you're losing so much life watching other people make their life. Think how much wasted time we're sitting watching other people do them, not doing nothing we're supposed to do. God has a greatness, a greatness that he wants to pull out of us, a greatness. Our assignment is great, you guys. But we'll never get to our assignment when we're lulled to sleep by the enemy who keeps dangling stuff before our heads and our eyes. God needs to be. Who's residing in your house? Who's the resident in your house, you guys? Who is the tenant of your house? God wants to know that you made him Lord over your house. And you've invited all of it. God's given you every decoration tool, everything you need in your house to have victory. Come on. You got the stainless steel refrigerator. You got the stainless steel oven. You got all the tools that you can, you know, stir up. And you, you're not without any lack. God is everything. And what? And he keeps adding more. As you go into your words, you can keep adding another tool. You can e- keep adding something that makes your house more for. You know how some people, uh, they could probably say that a little bit about my house, but some people, they don't like a lot of stuff in their house. They'd be like, oh, that's too much stuff. It's just clutter. You know, I like a lot of pretty things. But, I, but more so, I want a lot of God. God is never cluttered. God is what you need. God is what you need. We're going to have our, our spirits roam just a little one more time. Just one more time, Roman. Our enemy, today, right after church, he is roaming. And he knows you have heard this word. And he is seeking whom he may devour. He is seeking. He's not going to stop. You, you, cut, you shut your car door. He already was in there before you could shut the door. 
Don't think you shut him out. He's seeking whom he may devour you guys. And it is time for us. Come on, it is time for us to stop playing this game, church. This is no game, you guys. This is a war. This is a war that we're in. And as long as we think it's some little game that until you're in my face, Satan, and I can see you, then I'll try. That's too late. That's too late. I need to see him from afar. I need to be warring from afar. I'm saying you are not crossing that line back there, let alone get up here. I'm looking at you from afar. I'm building myself up in the Holy Spirit. I'm calling on the name of Jesus. I'm praying, God, in the Holy Ghost. I'm opening up my word and my word. Do you guys understand that in the word of God, just thou shalt not is not enough. See, everybody, a lot of people say, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not is not enough. Thou shalt not. Living by thou shalt not is not enough. If thou shalt not was enough, Jesus would have never had to come. But that's why he had to come. There was all that law. There was all that law that God had placed on the people's lives in the Old Testament. But it could not keep them. And they had to keep bringing lambs. And they had to keep bringing goats because they just kept on sinning. But the bad part about it is Jesus has done a once and for all cleansing. And we're still bringing goats and lambs. We're still bringing goats and lambs. And God said, no, I didn't die for you to bring goats and lambs. I bought for you. I died that you would receive my blood as a once and for all sacrifice that says you don't have to sin. You don't have to sin. Through the power of the blood, through the power of the cross, I've conquered death and sin. And you don't have to sin. And we got to get that through our head and get that through our hearts. I don't have to sin. And I don't care how much Satan goes around seeking whom he may devour. I'm on post. I'm watching and I'm praying. And I'm not going to be the one that he devours. How many wakes up in the morning and says, I'm not going to be the one. I'm not going to be the one he devours. I'm going to be on my post. I'm going to be alert. I'm watching out for all the things that you try to distract me with. I'm going to be what God calls me. Oh, come on, saints of God. It's time for us. It's so time for us to stop making excuses of why we do this, why we have to keep coming back to the, and I'm not, remember this, this altar is a wonderful thing. But you know what? We make it in vain when we just keep coming back and keep coming back for the same thing. Somewhere, somewhere for the same thing. Let it be a new sin. But the same sin over and over, it means I really haven't laid it down. I repent because I got caught. I'm not repenting because I'm sorry. When I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it anymore. When I'm sorry, I let it go. I release it. I know how bad that hurts you. But when I take it, if I got caught, I wish I didn't get caught. Somebody in the church knows about it, and so I better go up here and repent because they already know. No! There comes a time when we got to say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of sinning. I'm sick and tired of having no victory. When my inheritance is victory. That's my inheritance. That's my right to have victory in Christ. And I'm sick and tired of not having victory. I'm sick and tired of the blood that my Savior slain. I'm on a cross for me. For me that I would. I'm sick and tired of being fooled by the enemy. Oh, you guys, you got to remind him. The blood of Jesus covers me. 
Remind him when he's tempting you to do the blood of Jesus covers me. The blood of Jesus empowers me. The blood of Jesus. Remind you guys, are we talking back to him? Are we talking back? Uh, it is written to the enemy. Are we just falling into things and we're just falling into things and we're just falling? You guys, we are not weak. I don't know. We're not weak. We are not weak. We are strong. We are strong. And we need to get the tenacity that says, I'm a strong person. And my help, we can be strong but ignorant. My people perish because of a lack of knowledge. And we think just because we said yes to the Lord, that's all we got to do. But yes to the Lord means yes in everything that he asks us to do. Yes to the Lord saying, yes, Lord, I will pray. Yes, Lord, I will read my word. Yes, Lord, I will fast. Yes, Lord, I will, I will go to church. Yes, Lord, I will do everything that I need to keep this. Because what did he say? We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And how dare we defile this temple that God has come to live in. God wants us to know about your house. You can stand this morning. Think about your house.